128. A song of ascents. Happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be happy, and it shall go well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace upon Israel. The word of the Lord. Hello, my name is Jeff, and the New Testament reading is found in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 4 and 6 to 7. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and they will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. The word of the Lord. Hello, my name is Sylvia. If you're able, please stand for the gospel reading found in John 15, verses 5 and 8 through 11. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will produce much fruit. Without me, you can't do anything. My Father is glorified when you produce much fruit, and in this way, prove that you are my disciples. As the Father loved me, I too have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. The Gospel of the Lord. Would you remain standing with me as we pray? Thank you, God, for a beautiful day. We want to meet with you today. We want to know you. We want to see you, to see your face in the faces of others. Pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you. 
that your spirit would take these words and make them what you want your children to hear from you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Jason is, um, our lead pastor Jason, my husband, is preaching at uh, New Life East today as Pastor Andrew is on sabbatical. So he said he's, he's really sad to not be here today. But what I heard him say is, I am terrified. What are you going to say? <laughs> um, we are continuing our series through the Psalms of Ascent. These are short, in comparison to some of the Psalms, short songs that were sung as um, the people of God were going up to Jerusalem for different festivals, and um, like, like Passover. And today's Psalm is Psalm 128, and the theme is on happiness. Um, we, we sang songs as a family. I remember when we were going on trips or we were going to visit family members that um, we really just had, I think we might have had a tape player in our car, but I remember just an AM, FM radio, and that sometimes didn't have anything on it. The youth of today have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> and so we would sing songs as a family in the car. Um, and some of them I liked, and some of them I was like, not this one again. The ants go marching. There's just only so many times that you can sing that, that song. Um, and so that kind of makes me think about these psalms that the people of God sang on the way to Jerusalem. Were there any that people didn't like? They were like, not this one again. Are there worship songs that you don't love? Should we talk about this? I'll go first. I really do not like the song, We Fall Down and Lay Our Crowns at the Feet of Jesus. But the one I really don't like is the one that's like, when the music fades and all is stripped away. What is that, the name of that song? I'm coming back to a heart of worship. I, I just don't like it. I don't know why. I just don't like it. <laughs> I'm sure everybody has one. If we stopped singing all the songs that someone doesn't like, we would have nothing left except maybe the doxology. So if you don't like the doxology, this is going to be a hard place for you because we love the doxology here. There was a time where... The pastor, who will remain nameless, forgot it at the end, and no one would leave. Everyone just stood there like, we shall not go <laughs> until we sing this song. I honestly thought there was going to be bloodshed at one point. We moved through it. Speaking of distaste, though, I, I have had a real distaste for this psalm, Psalm 128. I want to read it aloud again. And I'd like you also to notice just your interior movements, let's call them, as I go through the, this is a short psalm, there's six verses, and just notice, are there words that you're like, ah, and other places you're like, hmm, I don't know about that. Psalm 128, a psalm of ascents. Happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be happy and it shall go well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. 
The Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. The word of the Lord. I think one of the reasons why I've had a distaste for this psalm is it it kind of triggers me in in two different ways. The first way is that there was a period of time uh, where I was a part of a community that had a real strong prosperity gospel bent. Sometimes it's called the, the health and wealth bent. So essentially, if you believe and you trust God enough, your life is going to be full of blessings. And any suffering is because there's probably something wrong with you. You're not fearing God enough. You're not, you're not asking in the right way. I don't like that. <laughs> uh, but the second reason is, I think when we read this, we, it's probably obvious, it's probably possible that there's a sense of marginalization sometimes. That the disappointments that we have about our life or about our home can be highlighted through this psalm. And this psalm is all about happiness and about how the fear of the Lord brings blessings. And yet, surely, surely there were pilgrims along the way, people of God singing this song, who felt acute heartbreak at these words. How does one sing this song after a crop failure? How does one sing this song after having buried a child? What about the women in the company who wanted children and could not have them? How did they sing these songs? Maybe you feel acute heartbreak at these words also. When we hold this psalm up to other psalms like Psalm 73, where the psalmist is like, how come I see the wicked prospering? We realize that actually we have to read the entirety of the psalms to get the whole story of God and to understand sort of our heart posture and our heart connection and relationship to God. We don't just pick ones that sort of suit our desires or suit our time of life. But that still leaves a curiosity for me about this psalm. What did it mean to the people of Israel? What did this psalm mean to them? And what can this psalm mean for us? So that's what we're going to talk about today. The first thing that we see is the language in this psalm, like you shall be, it shall, you will, the Lord bless you. This is a song of blessing. And when we think about the gods of the ancient Near East, we think about how Uh, typically those gods were often seen as angry. And uh, people's understanding of their relationship with those gods was, you do everything you can to make those gods happy, fear and trembling, terror you might feel, but if you do all the right things, maybe you'll live. Maybe something about your life might go well. This is not the God of this psalm. The God of this psalm is one who says, I want to bless you. Now, in that culture, the men of the family were responsible for holding everything together. This was an honor-shame culture. This was also a time when there were many threats to one's thriving. That's from, you know, climate, uh, environment, 
different nation states around and wars that could break out or even just the possibility of fighting within your neighbor relationships, your tribes. So someone who heard this psalm being sung is going to remember these words that were spoken by God to Abraham and then to Moses in covenant. I want to bless you to become a fruitful nation. I will be your God and you will be my, you will be my people. What that meant was you're gonna be okay. I'm your God and you're gonna be okay. So many in the company of pilgrims who were singing this song would have had their heart put at rest. You're worried about your relationship with the only one who can give blessings, that's God. Maybe you're worried about the state of your home and therefore your financial future, your reputation within the community. Or you're worried about whether or not your your nation state is going to make it against all odds. So this Psalm touches on all three of those things. Blessings were connected to, the the sense of blessing was connected to coming through these threats. So happiness in their case would be this sense of like having good fortune. What a relief, your wife's doing well, your kids are thriving, they're growing healthfully, It's, it's looking good for the future generations of your family, you're eating the harvest that you sowed and worked, your name and the tribe is respected, phew! You chose to worship God alone and to not be distracted by other idols and other gods. You chose to trust God through the threats and the storms of life. And that God has been a source of goodness in your life. What joy. Surely there were those who sang this song with gusto and gratitude. And yes, there were probably times when this song was sown in tears, but it was meant to also raise up this hope Trust in God and you are going to be okay. This God that you serve is actually concerned about your well-being. Yes, even concerned about your happiness. And in singing that song, the pilgrims were singing, may my happiness not be too far off. I think we can relate to that. It's not too far of a jump for us to want to sing those same words. But I wanna share with you something that really has changed forever the way that I see this psalm. I was talking to God about this in preparation for this time and just, I think it was the spirit putting this in my mind. Jesus, how did you see this psalm? We can do that. We can hold scriptures up to the light of Jesus and say, can you show me yourself in this? So I just kind of started imagining, you know, we know that Jesus went with his family to Jerusalem when he was 12 years old. So perhaps some of these Psalms, these songs of ascent were sung in that company. It took them days to get there. We know that he went with his disciples to different, um, different feasts in Jerusalem. And finally, we know that he made his way to Jerusalem when he knew that he was going to his own death. And then it hit me. Jesus fulfilled all of Psalm 128. 
Jesus is the only one who perfectly feared the Lord. He walked in perfect, humble, joyful, curious obedience with his father. We see him getting away to hear from God, to talk to God, even changing the direction of where he was going or what he was doing as he heard the voice of God saying, go this way or don't go this way. He is the ultimate example of the fear of the Lord. But what was his happiness? What was the happiness that came to him in that? We get a hint of this from our earlier scripture readings in both John and in Revelation. His blessing is us. We are the bride, his church, that he receives as a fruitful vine. We are the children around his table. That Psalm describes the children like olive shoots. Basically that means these beautiful saplings that in a few years are gonna grow to fruition and they're, they're thriving, there's hope in them. His work has made it possible for us to be the children around his table who are connected to the vine, growing, full of promise. And you know, Jesus even ensured the prosperity of Jerusalem and beyond by fulfilling the messianic prophecies with his death and his resurrection. And because of his resurrection and the power of the spirit in our midst, Jesus is enjoying generation after generation after generation of his beloved children. I wanna read again what we heard from the book of Revelation about how Jesus has perfected everything. This is John speaking after he was given a vision of the new heaven and a new earth by God. He says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He said to me, it is done. It is fulfilled. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious, that's us, will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. You see, we actually have needed more than the happiness and the blessing that this Psalm offers us. If all we have in life to hope for is, I hope I've got food on my table. I hope I have the relationships that I want. I hope that there's security for me. I hope that there's peace and that my, um, my government, my nation is coming out on top. That's it. Jesus didn't even have those things. He sang this Psalm under Roman occupation. What he did was he 
broke down all the walls around it, all the barriers of the happiness that even the most well-meaning pilgrim could have sung to the Lord. And he said, there's so much more. Our joy is gonna be in each other. Thank you, Jesus. So we've seen this Psalm through the lens of the average Israelite. We've seen this Psalm through the lens of the fulfillment of Jesus, but what about our own perspective on this Psalm? How do we join in to this song? I wanna briefly mention three invitations that this psalm offers us. And I encourage us to sort of think about these things every time we come across this psalm. Um, There are so many readings, like annual readings through the Bible where, and a lot of them have, like you read a psalm every day. And so typically you would go through all the book of the psalms if you were doing this kind of regular reading that the church has done over time. You'd read through the book a couple times, right? So we'll come across this psalm again. What are the invitations that we should be hearing through this? I wanna offer this first one. This first invitation is, may we fear the Lord. Let's just break that down a little bit. Eugene Peterson has talked about the fear of the Lord. Whenever we come across that language of the fear of the Lord, that it is referring to a kind of astonishment, being awestruck in a way that pulls us out of our preoccupations with ourselves, with what we're feeling at the time, with the circumstances that we are going through. So this is not like a shaking your boots. I don't know if God's gonna be happy with me, but actually a sense of wonder. That kind of fear of the Lord can take a lifetime to be wrought out in us. But I think I have found the perfect metaphor to a point for the fear of the Lord. And it has to do with me taking my kids to Target. (laughs) Now, um, the metaphor does break down. You'll see it happening right before your eyes. But when I, uh, you know that song, This Is My Father's World? I feel like when we go to Target, my kids are like, This is my mother's world. (laughs) We are there too many times. Um, But I actually like taking one of them at a time. I have three daughters. I like taking them with me. If I have to go do an errand I don't really want to do anyway, I'm really happy to have their company, to be in conversation. And so what I hope as a parent, when we're walking through my world of Target, is that my beloved child is feeling the loving kindness that I have for them as we walk through the aisles together. And that there's a sense of camaraderie and they're getting to know this place just like I've gotten to know this place. And they're like, what do you need? Can I go grab it for you? And that sometimes when that beautiful thing has happened, I think to myself, self, get her some gum. She'd love some gum. And oh, thank you, mother, I love this gum. This was so fun. And if the gum is there, it's a beautiful benefit of our time together. But if it wasn't, that it was just, we loved being together. We loved being here together, doing what needed to be done. More often than not though, do you wanna go to Target with me is uh, translated in their minds as, mom, Mike, give me some gum. 
And so the whole excursion is about like, are we gonna get some gum? Did you see that gum over there? Can I have some gum? Are we gonna get some gum? Hey, how come you didn't get me any gum? I'm sad I went with you. I didn't get any gum, you know, rarely. But what happens when our heart's desire is fully focused on being with God in this world? Traveling with our beloved God in the places that God wants us to go. There's something for us to do here together. And there are blessings along the way and it's a beautiful thing. But how often do we find that I didn't get the thing I wanted and that's what I wanted the most. And so now I can't really be with you. So this Psalm invites us to learn how to fear the Lord, how to be pulled out of our own preoccupations into wonder. Our second invitation, may we, may we rejoice in the good that has been given to us and others. I'm not gonna say a lot about this, but essentially this Psalm invites us to practice happiness, to be, willing to do the work of looking around and saying, is there any goodness here already? There is. And there's only one place where that goodness came from. It was a grace from God. It was a gift. It was a blessing. I can be sure of where that came from. And to let my faith and trust in God be built in the good that's already here. And not only that, but this Psalm encourages us to rejoice in what God has given to others. I don't know about you, but I have struggled many times with a scarcity mindset. There's only so much to go around. So if this person has something good, it probably means I won't. The Psalm is pulling us out of that limited way of seeing happiness and the belovedness and blessing of God and recognizing that it's okay for suffering and grief to be held together with blessing and joy. It's okay for our grief to be held with the celebration of someone else's joy. And it's okay for someone who is grieving to join us in our joy. That's another blessing and a gift of God. But finally, this could be a whole sermon, workshop, whatever, in and of itself, and I'm just gonna touch on it today, but I encourage you to let your curiosity about it grow. May we learn what true happiness is through this psalm, through something called holy indifference. I'm just gonna touch on that really quickly before we close. So this psalm and so many others tell us what we can expect, that we can expect that serving the Lord will bring us happiness and fulfillment. You can bank on this promise. Amen. But our, our invalid expectation is often so specific about what that happiness has to look like. Or that true happiness is impossible if there's also any disappointment or suffering, right? So one way of sort of working through that scarcity mindset that we can so often have is, some, is something called holy indifference. Holy indifference is essentially maintaining a right relationship with the things in this world that we can have. 
whether that's relationships, resources, expectations, hopes, etc. And that we only hold a connection with these things in as much as they help us love and serve Jesus, our heart's true home. A small way that I became aware of an attachment that I had, because a, a wrong relationship with these things is called attachments, right? Is that I have been working recently with someone who's helping me reach some fitness goals that I have. And it was going really well, I'm really enjoying it, until I received an email that just had within like this thing I was supposed to be working on this week, just this little comment, low or no carbs after 5 p.m. And I was like, you met Lynn. <laughs> How dare you? Do you know me at all? But actually, what came up underneath that was this little tiny voice that said, I will never be happy again. <laughs> Whoa. What about you? What's something in your life that if you had to let it go or you lost it or you never got it, maybe you're in a place of chasing it now. If you never had it or if you lost it, you would think, I don't think I can ever be really happy. What am I orbiting around? What is the gravitational pull in my life? Is it a circumstance that I'm struggling with? It has a lot of complexity or nuance and it's overwhelming to me. Is it something that I've got my eyes set on that I'm going toward? I really want this. Is it a hope that I've had that's been disappointed? And so really everything about my contentment and happiness has to do with where I'm at in relationship with that hope. Or is the gravitational pull in my life, the thing that is the center of my orbit, a devotion to loving Jesus, to walking in his ways, to learning how to be in wonder in a relationship with him. As the worship team comes forward to lead us in communion, I wanna close by sharing a practical resource for helping us desire to fear the Lord only, cultivating that holy indifference, that ability to hold things open-handedly. It's just a statement that we can pray and ask God to make true in our life. I'm gonna put it up on the screen in just a second here. But it originates with uh, Ignatius of Loyola, who lived hundreds of years ago, loved Jesus, had an amazing conversion story, and he encouraged his followers to hold on to the things of this world only as much as they help us know God more easily. 
or only as much as they help us make a return of God's love more readily. It's a longer statement, I'm just gonna take a summary of it. But it's called, he called it the principle and foundation. This is what sort of undergirds our relationship with God and everything and everyone else in this world. He begins by saying that, that all created gifts are meant to be used in loving service to God. And let me not desire one over the other. But this is the summary statement here. I actually encourage you to take a picture of it with your phone. Let it be something that you can maybe pray or meditate on over and over again. Our only desire and our one choice should be this. I want and I choose what better leads to God's deepening life in me. One more time, our only desire and our one choice should be this, I want and I choose what better leads to God's deepening life in me. Psalm 128 is a song of blessing. That those who fear the Lord can know that God is invested in their happiness and their well-being. It meant something to the people of Israel. It meant something to Jesus. And it's a torchlight for us as we come to God, whether that's literally as we're driving in our car, maybe even driving on the way to worship, or maybe it's when we come to prayer, we can read and meditate on and pray. And for those of you who love composition with music, you can even sing this Psalm about our lives. Let it, even the parts of it that are uncomfortable, let it be your blessing and the cry of your heart. God, I trust you for the goodness that I need. God, I choose you as the only thing that my gaze is set on. Let everything else fall to the periphery. And when you choose to bring me gifts because you have appreciated the way that I have served you and loved you, may I hold them only in as much as they help me return my love to you again and serve you. God, I trust you. You are my true happiness, Jesus. And I am yours. Let's come to the table together. So friends, this is Jesus' table, where we get to re-encounter the one true thing that matters most, Christ given for us. And we say that all who believe and follow Jesus as Lord are welcome here at this table, regardless of your church affiliation or your background. And if that doesn't describe you, thank you for coming to be here with us today. We're honored that you chose to join us in a worship service, and we ask you to continue exploring those curiosities with us and asking those questions about Jesus. And if you are ready to follow Jesus today, we invite you to join us as we confess our sin, as we ask for forgiveness and trust again in Christ for our salvation. Let's pray this prayer together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. 
by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And from that, it is my joy to announce to you this good news. Words that are true, not because I say them, but because of what God has done through Christ Jesus. So would you open your hands and receive again the mercy of God? Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. And this proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. So the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. So as those who have been raised to new life with Jesus, please stand and greet those around you and share the peace you have in Jesus together. Friends, let's join again together in these proclamations that Jesus is here. His spirit is with us. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. Amen. Yeah. It is a good and joyful thing to give thanks to you, Father Almighty. You formed us in your image. You breathed your life into us. When our love failed, your love remained steadfast. When we were unfaithful, you sent your son to be faithful on our behalf. And it's in this we remember this story, that on the night that he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he blessed it, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In this summer, we're coming to this table as a place of remembrance and encounter. We're singing this prayer and asking the Holy Spirit to, to meet us here. So would you join with our worship team as we sing, Holy Spirit, come.
So friends, these are the gifts of God. They're given for us, the people of God. Feed on him in your hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. At this time, I'd invite our servers to come forward. If you're new to New Life Downtown, there is a QR code you can scan to get more acquainted in what we, how we practice communion together. Or you can just follow along with those who are around you. Thank you, Debbie. If you're unable to come forward, ask someone next to you to bring the elements back to you. And as we worship, we come to the table in a spirit and a heart of worship. And as Christ has given himself, perhaps you came prepared to give something as well. And if you did, there are four ways you can give an offering today. They'll be on the screens for you to reference, as well as that QR code. So let's worship in our giving. Let's worship in our presence with Christ and his body this morning. Let's come to the table.